I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. (laughs) Kia ora everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. This week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is sponsored by Your Birth Project. If you follow me on Instagram, you've probably heard of Your Birth Project before. It is an online hypnobirthing or calm birthing course that was created by me. So you can access it anywhere in the world and it encompasses hypnobirthing and calm birthing practices that you will find super helpful in whatever kind of labor and birth experience that you end up having. The idea or intention with this course from my perspective is that as many families as possible have access to birthing techniques that will empower and inform them in their births. And I believe that this should be accessible. So you don't have to be in a certain location or have, you know, heaps of money to be able to access this course. There's a payment plan option and it's $89 New Zealand dollars. So it's, yeah, it's accessible. And I'm just hoping that as many families as possible can jump onto the course. It's got an awesome section for birth partners and it's re- it's got a really beautiful birth video at the end as well. So I know you're going to love it. If you've got any questions, feel free to send me them on Instagram or on email. Otherwise, feel free to check out Your Birth Project on Instagram, which is at Your Birth Project. And there's a highlight on that page which talks about the awesome testimonials from other Your Birth Project mums who've done the course. In this week's episode, I speak with Shan, and Shan takes us through the birth of her daughter, Esme. Shan had a really beautiful birth experience in the water. She wasn't initially planning on a water birth, but that's where she ended up, and it's just a really lovely story. Shan was also a bodybuilder before she fell pregnant, so she talks through that sort of transition from training really hard and being so cautious about what she eats to then um, falling pregnant and having that sort of transitional phase into this exercise and that first 12 weeks feeling um, feeling like you can't focus quite so much on what you eat. So yeah, uh, she covers a recovery in her postpartum period and also some mastitis in her breastfeeding journey as well. But I just think it's a really lovely story and I know you're going to enjoy it. So I will stop talking now and we can jump into it. Hey, Sean, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Yeah, sure. So I am Sean and my husband, Mike, and we've been married for about four years. We live in Hawke's Bay and we have a little bubba who is now two weeks old. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. And And, what's her name? It's Esme, isn't it? 
her, her name is Esme, yeah, and we yeah. also have two we have two little doggos as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome, very cool. I love her name. It's yeah, very cute. Um, and do you want to tell us a little bit about what the journey was like to pregnancy for you guys? Yeah, so um, journey to pregnancy was pretty exciting for us. <laughs> we um, I have I was diagnosed with PCOS, which I kind of had a feeling I had anyway. Um, I was diagnosed with that probably in 20, I think it was 2019, I had the ultrasound. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of my background is I had been training for the last couple of years for WBFF, which is like a um, kind of like a bodybuilding Cross Victoria's Secret style <laughs> show. Yeah. So my training was pretty intense and along with the PCOS I never really ovulated that frequently so probably maybe like maybe like four to six times a year um and then I was supposed to go to LA and a year ago today a year ago basically now um to compete in the pro show but thanks to COVID we got cancelled three weeks out (laughs) no so um, I'd been dieting and training pretty hard for that. So I hadn't had a period since January 2020. And then um, the show got cancelled, went into lockdown and decided to, you know, start eating and training less. <laughs> so, but I went to my doctor and said, hey, look, I still haven't got my period. This is about July or June. Yeah. So it's still, still haven't got my period. Can we, like, do some blood tests and figure out what's going on? Um, did that and they all came back normal but just still had no period, which I was, like, a little bit concerned about. And then um, a few weeks later, I noticed that I had a few random symptoms, and I was like, oh, yay, my period's coming. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, this is a ripper of a period. I'm getting really bad cramping. I've got really sore boobs, and, like, I'm super full of fluid. Like, it must be the period coming. Um, And then no period and I was like this is a bit weird then notice that my boobs had got really big and I was like oh like I'm pretty sure when you eat lots of food it doesn't just go to your boobs <laughs> and um so I was like okay I'm just gonna roll it out and take a pregnancy test and sure enough there were two <laughs> lines <laughs> yeah awesome and how were you feeling were you shocked or did you kind of expect it what was the sort of initial emotion it was complete shock because I, yeah. I honestly didn't think I could get pregnant. I was yeah. really in the mindset that whenever Mike and I decided or we'll sat down and had the conversation of let's try for a baby, that we were going to need help. I honestly believed that getting pregnant was not going to be an easy journey for us. So when mm. I saw it happened out of the blue, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. And how were you feeling in that first trimester? So you obviously men- mentioned um, a few of these really early symptoms, but how did things progress from there? Um, so I really had high expectations for pregnancy and how glamorous it was going to be <laughs> and everything like that. But I got a very um, quick reality check about <laughs> six weeks and that pregnancy is not glamorous and it is yeah. not that much fun. I was really, really sick. I Not vomiting. I, ne- I only vomited probably a, a handful of times, but the nausea... The hangover was just relentless. Yeah. (laughs) And it started, I probably started having the nausea around seven weeks and it definitely didn't ease off till about 18 weeks. Yeah. So it was, it was, (laughs) it was a big shock. (laughs) Yeah. I feel for you. I, um, I'm just coming out the other side of that and it's just like, 
you, it's all you can think about, right? All day, every yeah. day. It's so yeah. horrible. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 And how did you go um, with finding a midwife? Did you choose a midwife for your care or did you go with an obstetrician? What was that like? Um, I actually am a theatre nurse as well. So I work in uh, at the DHB. Oh, nice. And so I see a quite a, uh, quite a lot of cesarean sections. So we meet a, quite a few midwives through that. Yeah. And um, I looked up online the kind of like up at the midwives available and there was a couple that I wanted to talk to and then that same day that shift we did a cesarean section and my midwife came in for that for that oh, cesarean wow. section and I was like oh well this is obviously a sign yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I nice. had a chat to her there and then yeah we hit it off from there <laughs> yeah awesome that's cool and how did you find um the rest of your pregnancy experience so did you do the standard testing that's offered in New Zealand and did you find out the sex of your baby yeah, so the, so the rest of the pregnancy was a bit of an adjustment for me because I was going from training, you know, six to seven days a week yeah. down to down to zero because <laughs> I just really was so exhausted and so sick all yeah. the time. But um, other than that, we testing-wise, we did the Illumi screen. Oh, yeah. So we um, tested for a, a few genetic abnormalities then. That was about 11 weeks I did that test. And then, yeah, we did a gender reveal and we found out at 15 weeks with a few of our friends and family that we're having a girl. Oh, nice. Very cool. What did you do for your gender reveal? Uh, we just had heaps of people around and we popped a big black balloon that was filled oh, with cool. pink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. Very nice. And how were you feeling going into your third trimester? Did you have many changes in symptoms? Or I know some people find the second trimester the best, but um, some people love the third. So how, how were you feeling? Yeah, I think probably halfway through second trimester still felt pretty similar to first. Yeah. And then more towards end of second, start of third was definitely like my nice period where mm. the nausea had kicked back and I wasn't like feeling pregnant as. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice, cool. And did you do any antenatal classes or um, birth education to help you sort of inform your decisions about how you wanted your birth to go? Yeah, so we I did the pelvic physio course, which was just over two nights where I met up with a um, pelvic physio and she basically talked through um, basically the pelvic floor and different ways to strengthen it and actually different ways to relax it and open it for birth. Um, so that was really helpful. And then we also, uh, we also did a weekend antenatal class, just Saturday, Sunday which was really cool, especially for Mike, my husband. Um, just a few things that in there that he probably wasn't aware of. <laughs> yeah. And then I think about 25 weeks is when I really started to um, put in the work for preparing for a labour. Um, my past experience with births and labour was, is pretty, was pretty um, medical, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> so... Basically, the only time that I had seen a birth was when there was an intervention and when everything had basically gone wrong. So, you know, emergency cesarean sections and um, all, all the all the scary stuff, basically, that you go to theatre for was my experience of birth. So I really had to put in a lot of work to try and change my perception and my mindset around birth because otherwise I think I would have just ended up, you know, down that same path as well. Um, yeah. So I, so I 
suggested so I, I found your podcast which my friend suggested to me which was the little <laughs> seed <laughs> and that was awesome listening to other women's um, stories and hearing that you know birth doesn't have to just be you know done in a hospital and that there are other ways to do it um, then that, that led me to um, your birth project which is something that my husband and I did together which was incredibly helpful and then from there, I just went on a bit of a journey for, I was just watching um, natural home births and I was reading, I read Ina May's book and um, I just basically absorbed, you know, saturated my brain, I should say, yeah. with um, with natural, uh, no intervention, beautiful, positive births. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. Very cool. So I'm guessing that that was your ideal plan for how, how um, your birth would go. Yeah, yeah, because initially I remember talking to a few of our anaesthetists when I was pretty early pregnant and being like, right, as soon as I walk in the hospital, I'm first in line for the epidural. <laughs> that was my original plan. <laughs> and then, yeah. it then towards the end I was like, no, nope, I don't want to see any doctors. <laughs> I'll have this baby at home. <laughs> so it was like, yeah. it was like a real uh, 180 for me. <laughs> yeah, cool. And so – with the home birth planning, um, what did you have to do from that perspective? And was your midwife on board? And yeah, how did you find all of that? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't quite have a home birth because <laughs> I was quite yeah. just a little bit nervous for the first one. But we, just, <laughs> we, we did a, um, uh, my plan was to go to our primary birthing unit, which is nice. actually atta- which is attached to our hospital. Cool. Awesome. So cool. But the primary birthing unit in Hawke's Bay is quite strict. Uh, you there's quite a few criteria that you have to meet to be able to go there. Like you can't do a V back there or anything like that. Right. It's, it's like very, very tight criteria to be able to give birth there. Yeah. Okay, cool. And did you do anything sort of in preparation for birth um, or that sort of postpartum period, like antenatal expressing or perennial massage, anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So from the pelvic physio lady, um, she really encouraged doing the perineal massage. So that was something that I definitely started. And um, so I started the perineal massage at 34 weeks. I started raspberry leaf tea at 33 weeks and forward leaning and forward leaning inversion, which is something off spinning babies. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, I so have. I was, yep, love that website. <laughs> yeah, so I was doing that from 33 weeks as well. And then I also did acupuncture from 36 weeks. I was eating dates <laughs> from 36 mm-hmm. weeks, antenatal expressing from 37 weeks. And then if I got over 40 weeks, I was going to look into doing stretch and sweeps. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Cool. And do you want to talk us through your labor starting? So was it spontaneous and how far along were you? Yeah, so... The day before my due date, I um, was getting a few tightenings, which sort of felt like Braxton Hicks, but they were more in my back, which um, made me a little bit nervous at the time, thinking that I was having a posterior baby, because that was probably one of my biggest fears, was having a posterior (laughs) baby. (laughs) Um, But they kind of just came and went and didn't really do much. Then on my due date, I had a show, which was super, super exciting. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually not going to be pregnant forever. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. at that point, it kind of felt like yeah. I was going to be pregnant forever. Um, then the tightenings kind of um, started on my due date evening a little bit, but didn't really, you know, eventuate into anything. And then day after my due date, which was a Sunday, um, 
I just felt really, really off that day, really, really terrible. Um, I didn't want to eat anything. I didn't want to move. I basically, we had the blinds pulled and we just watched movies all day. My best friend from Wellington came up and she was staying with us for, because she was going to be part of my birth team with my husband. And we just chilled inside all day, which was really nice. Um, then that evening, I think my contraction started around 5 p.m. I was starting to feel a few sort of tightenings in my belly. They kind of felt like the Braxton Hicks, but they did have a little bit of a, more of a bite to them. Um, they're probably like five to six minutes apart and, yeah, 40-ish seconds. Yeah. But, yeah, they were – I could definitely talk through them. And, like, I went for a walk and um, made dinner and had conversations and everything. But, um, yeah, they weren't too discomforting, but they were starting to get more noticeable, definitely. Uh, then I think it was about 8 p.m., yeah, I went for a walk with Taylor because she was like, hey, look, things are starting to maybe progress. Let's try and kick things off. Let's keep the gravity, you know, working. Let's keep pushing baby further down into the pelvis. Yeah. Um, so we went for a quick walk, and then I had a bath and chilled out with Mike and he just sat beside me and we, you know, we just talked for a little bit and in the bath, I noticed that the, I had a couple of contractions that were really, really strong (laughs) and they were the first sort of ones that made me think, oh my God, like this baby potentially is coming. Yeah. Tonight, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, Mike and I just sat and talked and I knew, I knew that from reading Ina May's book, she talks a lot about how the partner um, can really help the labor progress by doing lots of cuddling and yeah. talk and kissing and that kind of stuff. So, you know, Mike, I got a mic to just do that kind of stuff with me. Um, then after that, we kind of decided that maybe we'll go to bed because, you know, this is my first labor and it could be, you know, this could be a long haul. <laughs> this could be another 24 hours before anything happens. So we're like, okay, let's go to bed. So Mike jumped into bed. Taylor was up watching TV and I lay in bed too. And I was just lying there, but there was no way I could lie still. I was tossing and turning and Mm. cramping really bad. So I was like, nah, I need to get up. So I went and sat in the lounge with Taylor and just used my birth ball and just bounced around for ages. And she had the office playing, which (laughs) is not something that I usually like to watch. (laughs) And then... Yeah, I was doing lots of figure eights with my hips, trying to keep pushing um, baby down. And then, yeah, contractions, basically pretty textbook, just got longer and stronger and closer together. Um, we used the TENS machine as well, which was really, really good. Oh, yeah. I highly, highly recommend that. I um, But if anyone's ever – have you used it before? No, I didn't use the TENS machine. <laughs> There's a boost function on it, (laughs) (laughs) which you have to be, like, pretty deep in labour to be able to tolerate, which I just wanted to test out when I probably wasn't quite deep enough. And, and oh, my God, it it was pretty pretty intense and literally made me scream. (laughs) Yeah, right. But but when I um, was deep in labour and using that boost function, I barely even noticed that it was going. That's how... um, different the contractions were from start to, <laughs> yeah. to end yeah um yeah so from 10 p.m my contractions were pretty back to back 
and I was like hardly getting any breaks and I was really needing to concentrate and I was really needing to use um, mic and Taylor and we had the room set up really dim just in the lounge and had the diffuser going and had some relaxing music and yeah it was a, it was a pretty nice environment which was good not that I can like really remember much about it which is kind of weird <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a trance kind of yeah back on it isn't it it's a bit yeah you know, I, I feel the same yeah and when I try and think about like what was the pain actually like I I, I couldn't even tell you <laughs> yeah yeah um then about 11 p.m. was when it really kicked off. So contractions started at like five, and now this is 11. So it was pretty close. It was pretty soon. It started to get really intense, but I was really hesitant to call my midwife because I thought there's no way <laughs> that I should be this like this deep and active labor yet. But I sure was. So we phoned my midwife and. Um, got her to come around so she came around and she did a um, vaginal examination just to see how dilated I was and we're super stoked that I was five centimeters yeah awesome so contractions were about two minutes apart and lasting you know 45 to 70 seconds so we decided to go to the primary birthing unit um but we were in level two at this point in Hawke's Bay so that meant that I was only allowed one person to come with oh, me yeah. so so that meant Taylor had to stay home which was really it was pretty devastating because we'd done all that hard work together mm. to um to get her you know to get this baby out and she really wanted to be there and I obviously really wanted her there <laughs> um so we had to leave her behind but Mike and I jumped in the car and it's about a 20 minute drive to the hospital from where we are yeah and it's a 100k zone and this is at midnight so you know you think okay maybe like a little bit shorter than 20 minutes but no we got stuck behind a car going 65 k mm. which is pretty typical <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember like lying I was in the front seat of the car I had my head like like stretched out like oh my god could this get any worse right now yeah <laughs> but it was all good we got there and we got there safely and Mike was like should I overtake them I was like no I'd rather just get there in one piece yeah <laughs> uh, so we arrived at the hospital at about twelve thirty, and honestly coming into Wireheart it literally felt like such a dream because I feel like I know all the complications that can go wrong with a birth and I was I was not half expecting but I you know you kind of had these ideas that something might go wrong in your birth and um, so when I arrived into Wirehire and everything just felt exactly like I had hoped and dreamed for it, it did definitely just feel like such a dream moment. Um, Lisa had the pool running, which was great. So I ripped off the TENS machine and literally <laughs> jumped in straight away. It was just the most relieving feeling ever jumping into the pool. I didn't really, I thought I might like to labour in the pool, but I didn't think I wanted to give birth in the pool but as soon as I got in there I knew there was no way that I was going to come out um I she wheeled over the nitrous oxide as well which was again something that I wasn't sure if I was going to like but absolutely loved that that was mm -hmm. amazing it um it didn't really stop the pain but it definitely gave me something to concentrate on and it um it just kind of made me feel really dreamy and really relaxed and yeah, it really just helped. 
it just helped with the whole um environment which was really cool yeah um not long after i had been in the pool i was having a contraction and doing my breathing and about halfway through my out breath i got this really wild feeling to um push mm. when it was just like it was about a, a second of pushing and it and it came with like a very deep primal sort of groan mm. <laughs> and i i remember looking up at lisa and mike and being like you know what the hell was that and um she just reassured me that you know that that was probably just what my body needed to do that baby was you know starting to make her way down and mm. that i just needed to um go with it and i remember in um your birth project you said that even if you were passed out mm-hmm. your body would still know what to do and i mm. kind of just wanted to go with that and i figured i don't want to use up all my energy because i'm pretty exhausted pushing this baby out i quite like my uterus and body to do the work for me so yeah. i i didn't consciously push for the for most of my um labor which was really pretty cool feeling knowing just my body like yeah. involuntarily pushing down and it was it was a sort of a weird feeling it was kind of like the same reflex like a gag reflex you know when your whole um abdomen tightens up and pushes it was kind of it reminded me a little bit of that so it wasn't yeah. it wasn't scary it was kind of familiar in a weird way <laughs> um as everything progressed i kind of wanted to see what was happening down there with baby because I was in the pool so Lisa couldn't check that off and I just wanted to see what was happening so I popped a finger in just to see what was going on and I could feel after these are after a couple of push contractions I could feel um the my water bag um at the top and I was yeah. like oh my god so and then Lisa's like what well, can you feel her head and I said I don't know so I pushed into the water bag and I could feel her head which was mm-hmm. super super exciting and like a little bit weird to say but yeah it was super super motivating at the time to um just know that all this work that I'd been doing over the last few hours was actually like yeah coming to something positive that the might my, my baby was actually getting closer and closer then a few contractions later the um water's broken i felt it with like a massive pop into the water but luckily being in the pool it didn't make a mess um, <laughs> then i just kept checking after each contraction to see how far away she was and i was using my finger i was like yeah no she's like the snuckle closer the snuckle closer and then um towards the end yeah it was it was pretty cool lisa then said hey look to mike do you want to see <laughs> and i was like no don't look <laughs> but um he said that they could see like an avocado pip and i was like oh my god that is terrifying <laughs> because it felt like her whole head was out at that point mm. there was so much pressure down there um then a few more contractions and they said they could see an avocado and i was like oh my god and then um next big contraction i managed to get her head out with lisa said just give a couple of you know conscious pushes now just to get her out properly so I um you know bared down a little bit and um got her head out and then at this point I was pretty over labor and I was pretty exhausted and I didn't Mm -hmm. want to wait for another contraction because quite often I've seen baby's head comes out and then there's Mm. a bit of a there's a bit of a lull in your contractions and I was like that kind of um 
terrifies me. <laughs> so I used that same contraction and pushed down and got the rest of her out. So she came out and I pulled her up onto my chest and there was a bit of cord wrapped around her neck. So I pulled that off and yeah, just sat back in the bath with her on my chest, <laughs> which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. What a beautiful story. And so did you stay in the pool for a while or what happened from there? Yeah. So I stayed in the water for probably maybe like 10, 15 minutes, but we yeah. popped towels on her and I, um, I I don't know I kind of just wanted to get out and get dry I was a bit mm. worried about her getting cold um so I yeah we got out of the water from there and um kept the placenta attached to her for um maybe I think a good like 30 minutes we kept that attached yeah. until it until it stopped pulsing and did you need um stitches or anything like that after your birth yeah so during the sort of crowning phase I didn't really get much perineal pressure or um stretching it was more up the front I felt it more like urethral I was like yeah I said to Lisa I was like like it's hurting I remember saying it's hurting up the front yeah and um yeah so when we did uh when Lisa did a check after um Esme was born she, I said, I said, said to her, I was like, I'm pretty sure my perineum's intact, but I said, definitely check up the top. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, sure enough, I had a couple of tears going um, periurethral. So they kind of went up towards the clitoris as well, which was <laughs> not great. Mm. <laughs> but hey, look, it's a small price to pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so did you need stitches for those? Yeah, yeah. So my midwife said that because they were going towards like quite important structures like mm. your uh, urethra, <laughs> uh, we decided to transfer across to the um, maternity ward, which is literally just a wheelchair across across a hallway. Yeah. And um, got one of the registrar doctors there to um, do the sutures, which um, was significantly more painful than the birth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they popped in heaps of local and I was really nervous for the local going in because I know how much local stings when it first goes in. Mm. And um, that was fine. I was like, oh, this is cool. And then um, then we had to do the, the deeper tear and, my God, I needed the gas and air. And I, those poor women in Atarangi who heard me scream because mm. <laughs> I swear the local didn't work and there was a couple of stitches that I was like, I felt that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And how were you feeling sort of after that? Like, was Esme with you the whole time? And um, yeah, I guess what were those next couple of hours like? Yeah. So when we went to um, get the stitches done, I was feeling a bit shaky and a bit tired and I didn't feel quite up to holding her. So my yeah. had her and um, was holding her skin to skin, which was really cool. Nice. And then um, when we got back to, when we got transferred back after the stitches were done to um, the primary birthing unit, then yeah, I had her on my skin for the rest of the night because it was probably about 5 a.m. by then, 5 or 6 a.m. by then. So yeah. I hadn't, but neither of us had slept and we just had her on my chest and just lay in bed together, which was really cool. Yeah, awesome. Nice. And how long did you end up spending there before you went home? Um, so we, it was, she was born at 2 a.m. and we stayed obviously that day and then we stayed one more night and then, um, went home the day after that but because we were in level two we were only allowed one visitor the next day so uh, yeah. was, so we can't we we're kind of keen to get home so that you know because only my mum came to see um Esme and we wanted a few other people to come get to meet her yeah. as well <laughs> yeah awesome cool and how did you find going home um 
obviously such a huge change and just yeah, every, <laughs> everything has changed. So how did you find um, bringing your new baby home and adjusting in those first couple of days? And did you notice the baby blues or anything like that as your milk came in? What was that experience like? Um, we were so, so lucky when we came home because Taylor was obviously staying with us and she had like cleaned our house and got food ready and everything. Mm-hmm. So we were so lucky when we came home. It was like coming home to a hotel. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, so we're so lucky. So that was super awesome coming home. And honestly, I just felt so good to be home. And I, I felt so good not being pregnant. I felt mm. during my pregnancy, I had this kind of like fog over me the whole time and the second she left my body I swear that fog lifted and I just felt a million bucks (laughs) yeah and um yeah it was really it was really nice to be home and not be pregnant and yeah when my my milk came in probably I think it must have been the Thursday or Wednesday maybe so yeah a couple days after after birth and um yeah I was I think because my birth experience was really positive and I came home to a really, like I had a quite a big village around me. So my parents were here and Mike's parents were here and I had Taylor and Mike here. I didn't really notice any baby blues. It was more like what my midwife said. She said, some people get the baby pinks where, you know, you cry because you're so happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I had more of that rather than anything feeling sad. And I think that's, you know, a big, because of the you know the amazing village I had around me yeah yeah awesome cool and how did you find um breastfeeding initially and how has that sort of changed um over the last couple of weeks yeah so so breastfeeding definitely the biggest unexpected challenge (laughs) yeah the um I think I tolerated a few bad latches in hospital or maybe I just was getting used to it but it was yeah it was really really painful a lot more painful than I was expecting yeah it was it was kind of like those few latches were literally felt like needles getting jammed into your nipple (laughs) it was really sore and that lasted for probably about a week I think and then about a week later yeah about a week the scabs started to come off my nipples from the blisters because I think she had had like I had been tolerating bad latches, like the lipstick latch, where the, you know the nipple actually is getting squashed rather than at the back of the throat. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, so it had caused a few blisters, and then I had to feed over that, and yeah, it just caused a lot of trauma to the nipple. Mm. But yeah, after that week, it was it was pretty good, and um, but then I think because I had got that damage, one of the ducts had got blocked, so I think so. I've just in the last sort of four days just been recovering from mastitis <laughs> oh no you poor thing I had mastitis it gives me the shivers just thinking about it I know it was so awful I remember just sitting on the couch one afternoon and I was like oh I don't feel so good like I'm starting to feel a bit like achy and headachey mm. and I was like oh something's brewing something's brewing I was googling I was like early symptoms of mastitis I was like mm. oh no here we go so I tried to do everything natural. I did the massage. I got the mastitis drops. I got vitamin C. I was trying, you know, basically everything natural because antibiotics was not something that I was super mm. keen to do, especially because I didn't like the idea of putting antibiotics into her little tummy, you know, at less than two weeks old. But, yeah, I tried that for a couple of days, and I was I was getting night fevers and sweats, and I felt like shit, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, bugger it. I just need to go on antibiotics, and I need to get this sorted so I can actually be a mother again. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think um, you can definitely try all of the things, right? But if, if they're not working, you just have to do what's best for you. I remember waking up when I had mastitis in the nighttime and asking my partner, like, are you cold? Like, I am so <laughs> cold. And he was yeah. like, no, what are you talking about? Like, it's the middle of summer. It's really warm in here. And I was yeah. freezing. And honestly, yeah. thinking back to that, just, oh, <laughs> it gives me the shivers. So yeah. I, I ended up using antibiotics too. And it just, I wouldn't have survived without it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely needed them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how did you find your um, physical recovery? So how have you gone recovering from the stitches and just giving birth in general? Yeah, so the first first week was quite tender. Those um, front stitches were real, like, pinchy, especially yeah. sitting, sitting down. So I definitely found it more comfortable to stand. So breastfeeding as well, I was way more comfortable standing than sitting down just because I felt like, I was going to rip them open when mm. I sat down. Um, but after the first week, they sort of settled. And, you know, two weeks now, I don't even notice them. There's, I feel like I'm back to normal now, which is cool. Yeah, nice. That's good. Awesome. And is there anything else that you'd like to share um, that we haven't covered? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I just, yeah, I think the biggest thing that I took away from this journey was that it doesn't birth can actually be like a really really beautiful Mm. experience and as much as um we think we need interventions we actually don't and you know I mean like obviously there are situations when we absolutely do but Mm. I think a lot of women are a lot stronger than they probably realize and I think doing the bit of the prep work um can really give you like an amazing experience yeah yeah Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Sham, for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories with us. I think, like I said um, at the start, you've got a really beautiful story to share and it's been really nice to hear. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's really um, a privilege to be able to talk on here. I've loved listening to these podcasts <laughs> for the last nine months. And it's, yeah. yeah, so exciting being able to talk on one. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I really hope you enjoyed it. And just another reminder that this episode was sponsored by Your Birth Project. And I would really love for you to go and show your support at Your Birth Project on Instagram or www.yourbirthproject.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.